When Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, they thought, why stop there? Why not create other exciting and unexpected combinations like rainbows and ropes or fruity and gummy or chewy and more chewy? That's why they created fun treats like Sweet Tarts Twisted Rainbow Ropes, Gummies Fruity Splits, and Chewy Fusions. When you dare to combine, it's sure to blow your mind. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. Visit SweetTartsCandy.com to shop now. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers, and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. I'm delighted to welcome Kitty Tate to the podcast today. Kitty is a baker and co-founder along with her dad Al of the Orange Bakery in Watlington, Oxfordshire. They've also collaborated on a book, Bread Song, which tells their story alongside some brilliantly inventive recipes. Kitty is on a mission to make bread making accessible to everyone, and last year she set up Breadducation and Kitty's Kits, an initiative which aims to give free bread making classes and kits to schools, prisons, food banks and community groups. Welcome, Kitty. You've been quite busy then. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. No, I've been looking for, forward to this for ages. Thank you for coming all this way. And we're going to have a, a deep dive into the wonderful world of bread with you and all of your fantastic knowledge. But could you start first by telling us a bit about your story mm. and how you came to set up the bakery? Because it actually started from your home kitchen, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, everything about our story was very unplanned. And I'm going to keep saying that throughout everything because it is very unplanned and quite unconventional. So I was actually really, really bad at baking growing up, like horrible. So if I was to make a banana bread, it would be raw in the middle and burnt on the outside. (laughs) And my whole family would make excuses as to why they'd just eaten or they had to quickly leave the house or all these different (laughs) things so as to not eat what I made. Or I'd like confuse a tablespoon with a teaspoon of bicarb. So my cookies would be like rock hard and dry all the moisture (laughs) out of your mouth. And then when I was 14, I started to really struggle with my mental health. So um, I'd always been a very happy, bubbly kid growing up and very much a people pleaser, which I still am to an extent now, but I didn't see it coming at all. Wow. And all of a sudden, I just started to really struggle with depression and anxiety and even the little things in the day, like getting up, leaving the house, getting dressed, going to school, started to become harder and harder. But I'm a people pleaser. And I also loved to act. So I was able to act and put on this mask for myself that I was totally fine. And I was the youngest of three too, so it meant that the concentration was kind of on my older siblings who were going through A-levels and GCSEs. So my parents didn't notice really. And I kind of felt that if I was able to act well enough, I would believe it too. So I built this mask for myself and kind of the side effect of acting is that acting is exhausting and if you're acting the whole time you just can't carry it on so one day this mask that I built for myself just completely like shattered and I couldn't hide it anymore and I couldn't go to school I just spent days like not even being able to leave the house sometimes not being able to leave my room 
And I tried everything to distract myself from all this like thoughts and emotions going on in my brain. So like I tried gardening and games and drawing and knitting. Oh my God, knitting. How do the 80 year olds do it? Like they casually <laughs> turn out a jumper. I couldn't get past like a little spool. It's, it's magic that Jesus It is. Yeah. It really is. My respect level for them is so high. It's that they're like astronauts now. Um, but nothing really worked until I watched my dad make a loaf of bread. And it wasn't something that I was even conscious of, oh, maybe I should start bread baking. I was just in the kitchen one day and I watched him mix together flour, water, salt and yeast in a bowl. I kind of like took the mick out of him. I was like, that's not going to work because it looked gross. He didn't knead it or anything. Yeah. He just got a spoon and mixed it. And it was like this gloopy mixture. And then he put a tea towel at the top and he just left it overnight. And the next morning, the dough was suddenly alive and bubbly and he scooped wow. it out and he put it in a tin and he baked it. The look that came out wasn't like an amazing sourdough with big crumb, like crumb shots and things like that. But it was just magic to me because it was golden and it smelled amazing and it was so delicious. And I just fell in love there and then with how something so unpromising with such few ingredients yeah. could turn into something so amazing and nurturing. Yeah. And it kind of felt like my brain could do the same maybe yeah, one day. Just connected with it. Exactly. And how did you make that jump then from, you know, starting off making mm. bread with your dad to actually opening a bakery? Because so that's quite a big... it happened very quickly. And surprise, surprise, quite unplanned. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am quite obsessive. And I learned how to make this bread. And I started baking one loaf and then another. And then I was baking like four loaves a day because suddenly it gave me like a passion and structure and I was able to give things to people which I love yeah. and I was just giving it to our neighbours and they loved it and then word spread so I'd be in like the biscuit aisle of the co-op and someone would come up to me and be like are you the one selling or like giving away the bread and I'd be like <laughs> I am but we're keeping it on the down low you know so then that morphed into a subscription service and along the way I was going to different bakeries and learning how to make wow. bread with them and they were so generous in teaching me how to make sourdough so roughly eight months on from baking my first loaf in between that we'd done a subscription service and pop-ups we then crowdfunded and we opened a bakery. So that's, that's just a super 15. fast track, isn't it? It's Very fast track. And we had a lot to learn even once we opened the bakery. That was yeah. only the start of our journey. But it was amazing. My dad was a teacher at the time. And he, when things got really serious and we'd crowdfunded, quit his job as a teacher and became my co-baker. Wow, so he had a big life change as yeah. well. Huge. Yeah, and I'm so fortunate to have had him there. Yeah. So he's amazing. I mean, we're going to talk all about the magic of bread today. And I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, you, because you're really inspirational, are going to inspire our no. listeners to, to, you know, pick up their bowls and their mixing um, spoons and, and and go for it, basically. Um, let's let's have a dive in. You mentioned mm. there the the method that your dad used. And I think mm. you call that the miracle method. Is that the right? Tell us, tell us about the miracle method. So the miracle method is probably the easiest way to make bread. Yeah. And all you have to do is you get flour, salt, and the tiniest bit of yeast, literally half a teaspoon, so really? two grams of dried yeast. And you add water and you mix it up. You don't have to knead it. You just have to make sure that all the flour and the water is mixed together. And then you just let time do its magic. So normally when people need bread, what you're doing and what they're doing is they're breaking down all the protein structures and then they're letting it reform. Yeah. So when you see like big alpha male, like Paul Hollywood and stuff like that, laugh and shake it <laughs> on the table, it's great. But also what it means is you're taking, by doing that, even if you're proving it for one hour, two hours, yeah. 
you're taking away a lot of the fermentation time. Oh. Whether what you do is with this overnight method is you mix it and then time will break down all the gluten, but it will do it a lot slower yeah. and it will digest it. So it's why this bread not only is it easy to make, but it's also really good for your gut. And then it gets to ferment overnight. And then in the morning, this gloopy dough has suddenly turned to like a bubbly, silky dough. Yeah. And you can use it for loaf, but you can use it for pizza or focaccia or flatbread. And it's got a really lovely flavor to it. It's not a sour sourdough. But it's, but got, it's developed exactly, the flavor. Exactly. Wow, that's such a great starting point. I think also it takes away that fear that people think, mm. well, I can't, you know, there's people will put obstacles in front of themselves, won't they, in, in the making of something like bread, because they'll think it's too difficult. I don't know how to do the kneading thing. I'm not sure if I'm going to need it for long enough. And that's mm. one of the things that takes away. Exactly. And I think you just touched on a really interesting point. It's a fear. A lot of people have so much fears that they're like, I don't know, like rocket science is bread yeah. baking. People who have big bread baking into something that's almost impossible to do and I think a lot of the time it's because we jump to right I'm going to make bread I'm going to make sourdough yeah and that's a whole another thing in itself um because sourdough is sourdough is naturally quite tricky to do once you're yeah. in the rhythm then it's great but simple bread making is very easy it's easier yeah. than a cake and I also think hope Paul Hollywood isn't listening. Um, I also think <laughs> that characters like Paul Hollywood we watch on Bake Off yeah. and they're saying, oh, this is underproved, this is overproved, or this is clearly dense or overneeded, underneeded, all these different technical words. So we watch stuff like that and yeah. we look at Bread Week and we go, oh, that's impossible. And we read recipes and it says you need a bread machine or whatever. Yeah, make oh, a competition exactly, out of it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And we've never really had, I mean, we did have a bread culture, but we don't have our grandmothers teaching us to yeah, make bread. Yeah, I know, because what we were mm. saying that today, I was I was um, having lunch with my friend and and talking about meeting you and I was I was telling him your story and he was like, why do you think, why do you think we don't do it? Why do you think, and, and I know one of the points you want to make was um, was about how we, we lost our carb culture. We've sort mm. of, we demonized carbs the last yeah. few years. We've sort of, you know, people, I know people, grown up people who will not eat bread. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely fascinating. And you go to other countries. Yeah. You go to France and they have lovely bread. You go to anywhere in Scandinavia or Germany and they have brilliant bread. And then you come here and you either have very expensive sourdough, yeah. which is only for the top, three percent of people or you just have your white slice ultra processed loaf and you don't have anything in between and yeah. no awareness so even in I was I lived in Denmark for a few months and you would go to an Aldi there and they'd have really good rye bread really and just casually there because that's what the culture expects yeah and we completely lost it but we did we did have a bread culture and yeah. that's what I find fascinating so before the war we used to have lots of bakeries and everyone used to have a bread recipe their grandmother would have a bread recipe yeah, and you'd teach yeah. it and you'd pass it down and everyone would make their own bread and then during the war what we were doing is we used to just import our wheat because we can't grow really strong wheat in this yeah. country we don't have enough nitrogen in the soil it all gets washed out by the rain so we used to just import it from countries like Canada who had loads of nitrogen in the soil because it was either really hot there or really cold there yeah and then in the wartime, we couldn't import that wheat anymore. And we decided to take our British wheat and just make a temporary loaf that was just going to be like a wartime loaf 
which was going to be white and fluffy and we'd take our wheat and we'd add about 24 different enzymes and additives to it and it would make this really soft white fluffy loaf in two hours and then after the war we're supposed to go back to the traditional way but the problem is that after the war we realized that this loaf, one, people loved it. Yeah. It was extremely, extremely cheap. To make. You can make it commercially and it was really accessible. So, which all really good points. Yeah. So, of course, all the bakers went out of business because these big companies carried on making it. And this method is called the Chorley Wood method. Yeah, Chorley Wood, yeah. And that's what we still have today. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, you know, the, the nice thing about, I guess, the upside of things like sourdough culture and people getting mm. excited about that again is people are starting to get interested in bread. Mm. And even the supermarkets have had to start selling or going back towards something that's a little bit more handmade, a little bit more artisan. You know, it might not be the same as getting a, a, a super expensive sourdough loaf, but it's a move away from that. So mm. that's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? I think you're so right. I mean, there's this whole way you're thinking which is very much oh even the supermarket bread it's sour faux because they add like vinegar and they call it sourdough but actually the fundamental thing is that like bread is for everyone yeah and even if it's not amazing sourdough as long as it's like I don't know less than 10 ingredients then that is really really good yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure that we put on bread there's like this hierarchy that sourdough's the top yeah and anything that's not four ingredient whole grain sourdough made with heritage british wheats is unnecessarily bad yeah. i think it's really negative because it means yes two percent of people are going to be like able to achieve <coughs> that either they live near a bakery they can afford yeah. it or they bake it themselves <laughs> but the rest of us our kids don't like it. No. Like, our kids are going to eat a wholemeal sourdough. So actually, just a slight better variation on the white sliced, that's great. Yeah. That's really, really cool. And it's like the overnight method. I mean, it's not sourdough. It's normally used with, like, white flour. Yeah. But actually, kids love it, and it's the closest we can get to a white slice and without it being And it's three ingredients. Bad. You know, it's exactly. fantastic. And, and it's you cheap. Made, yeah, you made it yourself, and it's cheap as well, yeah. because cause actually those base ingredients, your mm. flour, even if you went and got a little bit fancier flour, it's still going to be cheap. Yeah, it costs anywhere. So even if you've got fancy flour, it costs from, like, 25 to 50p. Yeah. Ingredient wise, because yeah. salt is nothing. Water is nothing again. Yeast, I mean, you're using such a tiny amount. So the only yeah. real ingredient you're using is flour. flour. And electricity costs around 12p to bake a loaf. Yeah. So if you add that all up, you're using the best flour, let's say, and the best ingredients, it'll cost you 75p. What I feel reading your story and reading the way that you're approaching it is very much education. Mm. It's just telling people this mm. is this is all you need this is a really simple method and with your um tell us a bit about the kitties kits because yeah. they're something that you've taken one it's one sort of pack of, of mm. kind of dough mix really and then yeah. you've given several different ways of using it tell us about You're them so right so it's education which we call bread education yeah which i love uh, <laughs> love a good fun always have you trademarked that no i need to i'm in the process yeah, good. um and then it's also confidence. I think yeah. confidence is a huge one. And to say to someone, oh, this is how you do something, they go, okay. But then to enable them to do it, you almost have to have some steps in place. So about six months ago now, I set up a education project where I make these kits. 
and these kits are called Kitty's Kits. I also sell them online, which is able to like pay for all the free kits I give away. Yeah. And these kits are just flour, salt and yeast and it's all weighed out. So all you have to do is you tip the pack out and you add your water and that's it. There are instructions on the back of the pack and then there's also a website with all the other recipes you yeah. can make with it. And what I've been doing is I've been donating these kits to different schools and prisons and community groups, food hubs, charities and so on. So it's grown a lot faster than I expected. So I'm needing to scrabble around funding at the moment yeah. but we've donated around 5,000, 6,000 kids which is so exciting and we're working with over 85 different organisations now who are using them to teach and yeah. distribute. And did, did the organisations immediately get on board with it and, yeah. you know, and, and using your methods, using Instantly. your recipes to show people? And that's what I didn't expect is how capable people are once they have one tool yeah they're very good at just taking that and running with it so yeah. some most of the people I've been working with I've had very little communication with yeah. they haven't needed a lot of guidance they read how to do it on my website or they know how to do it already yeah. and then they just take the kits and they teach with it yeah. I've got a little education 101 pdf which <laughs> people can follow to teach a class with but apart from that people have been so competent and then I get so sent cool. photos almost daily of people making focaccia with their class of year one yeah. or making flatbread with their community group in the town hall. Amazing. And it's just it's so exciting to see. Yeah. And places that I've never even been to, so there'll yeah. be places in Scotland or Kent. or And it's just so, so lovely So you're like spreading all over the country. Exactly. I mean, you touched on your own struggles with mental mm. health before, but there's actually evidence that bread making has benefits for our mood, mm. isn't there? Exactly. So that's another big part of what I'm trying to do is when I teach my lessons, we normally make focaccia. And then I also talk about mental health because mental health benefits of baking bread or anything like that. So drawing, knitting, working with your hands, it stimulates so many different senses in your body that it takes away a lot of the thoughts in your brain that can be negative or confusing. So when you're kneading bread, it oh, does yeah. calm you because your body goes into a rhythm and yeah. you have to concentrate. You cannot not concentrate when you're working with dough because then suddenly it's sticky and it's all over the table. Yeah. Uh, or cooking or drawing to a level your concentration has to be there. But it's really, really therapeutic for your brain to just calm yourself down. Yeah. So a lot of the time with children especially is I try and raise that awareness around mental health yeah. and find out for them what they do that really helps them. Sometimes it's like walking or cycling or I've just been in America for the last month teaching education classes. Wait, oh, is that what you were doing? Yeah. Because I know you said you were going to San Francisco. That was in San Francisco, Utah, LA, wow. teaching these lessons because it really can be done everywhere. It's amazing. And talking to different kids. And it's so lovely because, again, kids from a complete different culture <laughs> yeah. and community and people like grown adults from a different culture and community. I mean, I was teaching refugee groups. I was teaching kids in San Francisco below the poverty line and then like schools which were Mormon schools in Utah, yeah. so like completely different um, groups of people. Yeah. But actually all very similar when you teach them how to make the bread. They all had the same excitement. And then when you talk to them about mental health and they share their stories yeah. as to what helps them, it's normally very similar stuff. Like 
like being with their friends or being outside or all those things. And that's so fascinating to hear. There's always a correlation, which is just working with your hand and having that distraction. Yeah. And having the result as well, which is, and you said um, eating bread actually makes us happy because it carbs increase serotonin. I mean, we all knew, I knew this. (laughs) It's such a good one. I always tell people that because it's coming back to you saying your friends don't eat carbs. I mean, this country, in a lot of countries, we had this thing where carbs became, and gluten in particular, became demonized. And actually, bread is brilliant for us. I mean, it has so many nutrients and proteins and grains and fiber in, but also, fundamentally, it's a big source of carb. And carbs actually create serotonin, which is our body's happy hormone, which is why in every culture, uh, comfort food is always quite heavy in carbs because it literally does just increase our happiness. I love that. Tell us some of the things that you cook in, in the bakery. Because mm. I know that you like Marmite. I love Marmite bread. I, and I love Marmite. I think Marmite. you've got a special love, haven't you? Yeah, Marmite we call it. it the comfort loaf because every time I felt anxious or I knew something big was coming up, yeah. I'd make this loaf and it instantly calmed me. So I love Marmite and I add it to everything. We make the <laughs> sourdough and we add a tablespoon of Marmite to the sourdough. It just makes the crust taste like twiglets. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> So good. And then we have like Marmite cheese swirls and we have cinnamon buns. Nice. But we do it in the Swedish style, so we really like knot them around yeah. our fingers. With pearl sugar and Chelsea buns, which are very good for the 80-year-olds. Yeah. And eight-year-olds, actually. A lot of eight-year-olds will buy a Chelsea bun and they, they just eat the icing yeah. off the top and then give the bottom yeah, to their dad. Yeah, my used to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so lovely. Oh, that's the other nice thing about having a bakery in a small town is that you know what people like. Yeah, so they come say. in and you're like, oh, okay, this woman likes two cinnamon buns, um, mama and cheese swirl, and a um, cauliflower cheese pie. Yeah. And then you're already bagging it up for her as she oh, approaches the till. Oh, coming to your place, cauliflower cheese pie. Hello. <laughs> oh, we put cheese in everything. <laughs> Is there anything you've invented that people didn't go for? Oh, yeah. I mean, we change our menu every day. Yeah. Um. So we always have like four different buns that we're doing that day that are special that we won't ever do again probably wow. it's not good because people come in they're like oh yeah I was gonna say that was amazing thing I had last week and we were like oh <laughs> there's been seven different inventions since then and same with breads we always have two different flavored breads each day so before I came across I really wanted to do a Asian inspired loaf so I did a brown rice and seaweed loaf which I thought was nice didn't go down too well but then it, I did a miso and sesame loaf, which is now people's favorite wow. loaf. They love it. It's probably the best loaf in the bakery. Yeah. We have to do it every day now, even though people don't know what miso is and they all call it miso. Yeah, it's fine. But it's great because they love it. <laughs> they so. still love it anyway. And do you, I know you talked before about, you know, trying out different bakeries, working with different bakers. Do you find mm. in the bakery world that... People are happy to exchange that information and knowledge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the restaurant world, I think it's a different world altogether and there's a lot more competition. But in the baking world, because we're all just trying to get people to eat good bread, we're all really trying to help each other. So there's this lovely carb community where it doesn't matter where you're from, what culture you're from, what country you're from, because you're all trying to do the same thing. You all really help each other. So I've been so lucky to go and work in... Like Denmark and France and America and 
lots of different bakeries just even here in London. Yeah. And at the beginning, I didn't have any skills and they would take me in and train me and show me around. Yeah. And we do the same now in our bakery. So every week, basically, we'll have someone different who will really? come. And yeah, oh, we have wow. a complete open door policy so people can come and just we'll teach them what we know and sometimes we'll learn from them. But sometimes they'll have no skills in baking, but they'll leave with plenty. Love so that. it's we feel like it's what we can do what best. What time do you get up in the morning? Not too bad. I mean, I live three minutes away from the bakery, okay. so my commute is very short. And normally I'm about five minutes late. So it, I wake up at about five, okay. sometimes like four thirds. So quite early. Quite... I mean, right now it's not bad because it's suddenly yeah, light. It's nice and light. In, in the, the winter, I'm like, oh, it's just awful. Don't want to do it. It's awful. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it is, you always feel, especially in winter when it's dark and then you see the sun come, you feel you've really deserved the sun. Yeah. Because it's about three hours after you've woken up, you're like, yes. And you've got so much vision. Like, what's your what what are your mm. um what's your vision for the next kind of year or you know for the future? What what, yeah. do, what would you like to do? I mean, I have so many ideas, and I'm very lucky to have my dad, who's very good at guiding me on them. Yeah. And the big thing is, so we're turning the bakery into a community bakery. Great. So we trained up different people in our village how to bake, and that's going really well. So they're going to take on that. That's more of a responsibility. And then my main focus is on we call the charity Bread Song, which is because it's after our book. Yeah. And Bread Song is an amazing sound that when you take bread out of the oven. The crust contracts and as it does, it hisses and it crackles. Oh, really? Oh, okay. It's so beautiful. That. So when you bake bread, you have to put your ear close to it. Yeah. And it is, it sounds like a distant applause. Oh, and we wow. call it bread song. So focusing on bread song as a charity yeah. and seeing how much we can scale it and get bread out there to as many people it. as possible. At the moment it's just me running everything. Yeah. So I think I'd love to have my dad's help on that too. Yeah, you probably need to kind of take your like foot off the pedal a little bit and like exactly. have a look around and see what needs doing and exactly. give yourself the space to do exactly. it. Exactly. Well. And team up with different charities and find funding to do it all. Because yeah. at the moment I'm just doing it all on free time and off of my own back so that would be brilliant and yeah just share bread with as many people as possible yeah. I mean I think your your story is incredible and I want to urge as many people as possible to go and to go and check out the website and check out your Instagram so I'm just going to give your so it's kittieskits.co.uk is where they can find out all about the kits and uh, bread education and then on um on Instagram you're kitty tate baker and Kitty's Kits, um, and and there's there's so many great videos there. There's loads of info <laughs> there, so people can go and check that out. But um, thank you so much for coming to chat to oh, us today, Kitty. You. It's been brilliant, and I've learned a lot. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> and I really, um, I can rant quite a lot about bread once I get I talking. It. So I'm and glad really, really good luck with the future. Thank you, and please come visit us. I will Try do. I'm coming. I'm coming spells. for the um, collie cheese pie. Yet. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I'll bag it up for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.